I'm your host, Danielle Christina, yoga teacher and entrepreneur. This is a space to inspire, encourage and empower you through living a holistic lifestyle. Thank you for joining me. Let's be active and feel alive together. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Holly Rose. I first came across Holly on Instagram because I really loved her story and message. Hi, Holly. Hey, how's it going? Great. So can you start telling us about your message on Instagram? Writing about sustainability for the past six years on my blog and on Instagram and other social media platforms. I kind of had a YouTube channel for a little bit. Um, and I, I started out by doing 365 days of going green where I looked at every single aspect of my lifestyle, whether it was fashion, food, um, you know, beauty products, whatever it was, um, and tried to figure out what the problem was, with the circular story behind the production of those products and what the solutions were. And I spent a lot of time getting sort of frustrated and finger pointing at people and saying, like, you need to change the way you're living your life. And not really looking at the grander picture and that there, there really was, I, I really understood the intersectional issues that existed, but I didn't understand the systemic racist degenerative um, governance that was sort of guiding the lifestyle that we're all leading. Um, so the past sort of two or three years, I'd been searching for and studying um, different aspects of rewilding, of regeneration, and of um, indigenous ecological knowledge, which has kind of led me away from the path of anger and frustration and towards a path of sort of hope and, and love even, um, because the idea of regeneration is either back more than take. Um, we live in a society that is degenerative, so it, it takes and without giving anything back. And the sort of logical response to that is sustainability, which is what we have. So it's putting back exactly what we want to take again, but not giving back more than we take. Um, and I'm doing this speaking course with a woman named Irene, and she had this really good analogy that she had learned from someone else um, that uh, in a marriage counseling session or something. And the, the gentleman had said, you know, if you said to a marriage counselor, oh, my relationship is sustainable, that probably wouldn't be a really good sign of a relationship. Whereas if you say, you know, my relationship is regenerative, it helps me thrive, then that's probably a sign of a good relationship. And just like our interpersonal relationships, we need to adjust our relationships, not only with people from other countries or people within our countries or people within our communities, um, but also the non-human beings on this planet who support our life um, and who we need to learn to live in symbiosis with. So yeah, so now I'm basically writing about regeneration and um, I'm also working in politics for the Green Party of England and Wales. Uh, I moved back to England in the fall of last year, and uh, I have a British father, so was able to obtain a British passport finally. That capitalist society that sort of rules our everyday lives rests here in, in, in England. Um, and to heal you know, a tree, you have to start at the roots, um, or to sort of remove a tree, which I think is the case here, you have to start at the roots and really understand how to dismantle um, a system that is, is causing epic amounts of harm through generations people mm. uh so yeah that's kind of where I'm at now <laughs> I think that's so interesting because we do live in a culture and society where we are constantly taking 
taking from nature, taking from the land. And this capitalist society that we're living in, I don't think is very, I don't think it is very sustainable for the future, for our mental health, for nature, through the whole ecosystem. So I think if we can stop putting back into nature and back into the system and think in more of a regenerative way, then it means that we can have more sustainable living as well. Um, we also need to talk about the soil. So the soil is a living being that supports all life on land. Um, it is also one of the most hopeful corners of what can mitigate climate change because the um, rightful home or the healthy home for, for carbon dioxide is the soil where it can create life instead of in the atmosphere where it takes life. Um, and the health of our soil is also directly related to our health. Um, it has a huge relationship to um, human rights um, because we are all reliant, all the terrestrial beings that live upon the land don't live in the sea and even the beings in the sea um, are almost 100% reliant on, on plants and plants live in the soil and that exchange of carbon between the atmosphere and the soil is what essentially supports all life on land um, and without healthy soil we don't have healthy plants and without healthy plants all beings who cannot photosynthesize, which are essentially everyone who is a plant, um, and every sort of exchange is an exchange of life for life. Every exchange is taking the living beings that are plants and turning them into food or turning them into fibers for our clothes or ingredients for our beauty products or ingredients which we feed off of. Um, our water is also filtered soil. So through the water cycle, um, if you don't have healthy soil, and we have a lot of flooding here in England because we also have a lot of drought and that is specifically related to the way that we treat our soil. When it rains, if you have healthy soil, that soil that water is filtered through the soil and comes out in springs to rivers to to streams, whatever to 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 contribute to the fresh water system. If it's not um, healthy soil, then what you'll see happen often here in England and which will be begin to happen again this summer is that the soil sort of hits a surface that is essentially like like cement. And it can't infiltrate cement-like soil that from the monocropping that we do here in England. And so it runs off into our waterways and erodes the soil, the topsoil that it's sort of left. Um, and that reduces the opportunity to grow plant life in that soil without healing it. And it also poisons the water systems, which eventually runs out to seas. And that's how you have these huge sort of dead zones, um, especially through the use of chemicals on the soil. Um, and one of the really interesting things is that the sort of etymology of the word human comes from the word hummus, which is part of the soil that creates that chocolate cake sort of um, uh, texture that, that indicates healthy soil. Um, and, and what that word means being from and for the earth. So to be human is to be from and for the earth. Um, and we're so connected biologically that the scent of soil, soil stimulates oxytocin um, in us, which is a, a same hormone that, that promotes bonding between mother and child. So there's a real um, visceral sort of um, relationship there. And it's not only hidden in the language that we're using, but it's also hidden in our reaction to spending time in nature. And you see all these new studies coming up about, you know, forest bathing and things like that and how um, just spending time in nature, there's these sort of subtle uh, um, relationships between us and trees. And we share 25% of our, our genes with trees. So showing that we, you know, not only scientifically came from the earth, but also spiritually came from the earth and that we have these relationships with plant life and animal life that we don't know how to communicate 
about anymore. And when it comes to sort of the um, conscious living hashtag lifestyle of, of, of people who are not only trying to live a more sustainable, you know, quote unquote life, but also a spiritual life, there is this real sort of um, separation between the way that we um, communicate with plant and animal life or the way that we honor it with our spirituality, you know, with yoga and all these other aspects of heart-led living that white people in particular have had have benefited from you know we we had this culture that has kind of dominated the planet that is um a very like rational man sort of thinking where we only think with our heads and it's sort of looked down upon to think with your heart so i've seen in my lifetime you know especially in the city i grew up in as yoga sort of came to that city there was a transformation over the past 20 years um meditation uh, buddhism all these or even the, the, you know, spiritual practices of Indigenous people in Canada and around the world, we've sort of um, co-opted these gifts that they've offered us after years and years of us being violent towards these people. Um, we, you know, ayahuasca, whatever it is, we've gone to these places and accepted the gifts offered to us despite our own behavior. And instead of taking that, that knowledge um, and digesting it and being, and, and being regenerative about it, We've been kind of generative where we've created these like capitalistic industries out of the gifts of other people's intellectual, you know, knowledge um, and spiritual knowledge. And, you know, we've got like Lululemon, which is one of the most pollutant, um, like the entire yoga industry of, mm-hmm. of the plastic mats and the plastic clothing yeah. um, is harming the very people who have gifted us these, including ourselves. You know, we now have the microplastics in our air, in our oceans, in our food, in everything, every single element, even, even this like, even the element of fire, um, when we melt our garbage and pour it into the sea, it turns into these plastic rock-like things which are now washing up on the shores. We've really, um, really not internalize them and started to live in the way actually been teaching. And on top of that, while we have thrived from this heart-led way of thinking, we have not done the work to get politically involved to ensure that the people um, whose land we occupy or the people who have supported our so-called empire's rise and given us all this privilege, we have not done use that privilege to ensure that black indigenous and people of color can also thrive at the same level that we can. And I think that's a really huge sign of the type of culture that we have Mm -hmm. that is very individualistic, very um, sort of selfish, egotistical, um, that sort of centers around this idea that somehow there's a hierarchy in someone who is spiritual, even if that spirituality came from someone else who is marginalized in in our society, is somehow higher up and than that person and that mentality is really a sickness um that we need to sort of dispel. Yeah. so it's a long answer to a short question completely <laughs> <laughs> agree with everything that you've just said um i think people often wonder why as a yoga teacher i'm very much concerned with the planet and concerned with nature and the environment and that is because i feel like if you are into yoga and you have that awareness and that spiritual growth, then you should realize how much we are all connected and how we should live as one rather than taking from the planet, taking from each other and thinking as a whole in a holistic way. So, you know, there's a couple of things on that point. Um, 
And I've only just kind of started thinking about this. There's these five main principles of regenerative agriculture, which is the type of agriculture that restores the soil and allows for carbon drawdown and allows for that chocolatey cake um, uh, texture to be created in the soil. And in a fairly quick time, it's quite a hopeful um, corner. Um, I've even done it in my own garden in the past six months and seen the transformation in the soil just by taking care of the land better. Um, you know, even if you're renting, this, this idea of like, you don't need to be the benef- benefactor of your own, own actions. That, um, you know, beyond volunteer work, which a lot of us sort of do as like a virtue signaling sort of way of spending time, um, y- you can improve something that you're not going to specifically benefit from. And creating this sort of heart-minded, regenerative equity in our society and weaving that into lifestyle changes, into community regeneration, into anti-racism work, into our spiritual practices, and also into political action. Like, I myself was not very politically involved up until the past sort of nine months and um, felt a call to come back to England, not only to connect to the Celtic spirituality as I tried to sort of decolonize my own spiritual practices, but also because um, like I said before, this the root of the system of supremacy um, is is very much present here and still still thriving here. Um, and spiritually um, and ethically and um, morally and whatever, I feel necessary necessary to try to to do the work that involves not not only you know we had this when Black Lives Matter happened again um, in 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 June um, around the time of the summer solstice we had this sort of unveiling where a lot of people were not aware of the injustices and marginalization and oppression that is happening in our society. And I mean, I, I kind of put together this, um, I'm going to ramble for a bit here, but I put together this sort of, um, uh, I was looking at the wheel of the year, which I like to sort of do at each equinox and solstice. And during winter solstice, we kind of had this, it's, you know, traditionally a time of death and rebirth called the cleansing tide. And during this time, we had the wildfires in California and Australia, which really caught the attention of the, of the whole world. And, and it was, it was sort of, um, you know, there's certain seeds in nature that don't germinate without fire. And traditionally, ecological knowledge, there are um, too much um, carbon into the atmosphere by it essentially from the soil as fossil fuels are beneath the, you know, the topsoil and the layers of, of soil beneath the earth. And it's also from global warming, which is caused by when we pump that, um, when we treat the soil badly, the, the carbon releases from the soil. And when it releases from the soil, it goes into the atmosphere where it's overpopulation causes harm. And it's overpopulation in the soil is actually what creates and prolifer- proliferates life. So the causes of those wildfires, the way that we treat our soil degeneratively and the way that we pump fossil fuels from the ground. Um, and I think that a lot of people sort of realized during that time that our severed relationship with the earth is a signal that we are putting ourselves at risk of extinction. We're not doing this to save the planet. The planet will be fine without us. The, the reason that we're doing this is save humanity and through saving humanity also um, ensure that whilst saving humanity, we create a more equitable future because currently the way that we oppress nature is also the way we oppress people and especially black and people of color around the world. Um, our systems of supremacy are indivisibly linked from racism and capitalism. And I think, you know, during this time, people who weren't already sort of thinking about this felt a draw to, to start engaging with us. 
And then we moved into spring solstice and, or sorry, spring equinox. And spring equinox around, is around the 21st of March, depending on where you live, give or take a day on a leap year. Um, and this is traditionally the growing tide and, and also was traditionally when the year started, also the time that coronavirus came. So before the fires had even finished sort of smoldering in Australia, in the Amazon, in, in California, people didn't sort of have time to return to dissonance um, in ways that we have before with other wildfires and even in the summer with the Amazonian wildfires which are still still burning now and then you think about bringing equinox as the roots of humanity suddenly realizing that you know in one teaspoon of healthy soil there is more life than there are in that soil than there are people on the planet and the health of that soil directly relates to our vitality to our nutrition to our food to our, our air for one orange that our grandparents ate if we wanted to get the same nutrition from from an orange now, we would have to eat 10 of them because the the nutrition based on the way that we farm, whether you're vegan or not, is um, has dropped by around 80% in, in some cases. And access to organic food, which isn't even regenerative or regenerative food, is really a, um, a privilege right now. Um, and I think one of the other things that kind of um, revealed during this time was that, uh, you know, we really value community and that we deeply care for one another, but that our government, especially here in the UK and in the US, is not capable of taking care of us. The number one sort of job of government is to care for its people. And essentially what's happened is our governments have sort of flipped the script where, and, and this is sort of reflected in our economy, where instead of having an economy and a government that works for people and planet, we have people and planet working for an economy and government. Um, and that on a soul level is pretty, for lack of a better word, fucked up, you know, like it, the original sort of leaders of our community were um, the, the word, um, for King originally is, is sort of related to this word, um, sacred, um, and that, um, sort of interpreted as a, as like it being like a God, God decides who you're going to gonna lead, but actually the root of sacred is, or sacred just means to make something sacred, to make it a ritual, to, um, to sacrifice. And so really the, the role of government is to sacrifice and the role of a leader is to sacrifice their needs for the needs of the greater good. And we don't really have, I mean, other than Caroline Lucas and maybe Clive Lewis and a few others, I mean, if you look at the Project Reset that Caroline and Clive have just launched here in the UK, you can see on a website who gives a shit. <laughs> and there are, there are, you know, there are cross, it's a cross-party collaboration. We also have this tendency to sort of um, be binary and be like, conservatives are bad and Green Party and Labour are good and the Dems, like whatever. But really, like, there are good people in every group. And to be binary about our thinking is, is, is actually quite destructive. We need collaboration. We need good people from all walks of life to start talking to each other and be like, this is what we need. This is what I need. And that's what's really interesting about Project Reset. They're essentially opening up the communication lines to the general public and saying, tell us what you need. We have this Green New Deal, but we want to make sure that it works for you. And so you have... Um, Obviously, all the Greens in power, Jenny Jones, Natalie Bennett, um, both Baronesses in the House of Lords, and uh, and Caroline Lucas are part of that group. There's also Lib Dems and SNP and Independents and, um, and of course, Labour, um, who seem to be the Greens' greatest allies, but also sometimes not. Um, but essentially, all that to say that, like, it it really does this this um, spiritual need for equality for regenerate and the and the reality that we need regeneration to actually survive as humanity is also linked to a hundred percent to this you know 
policies and laws that govern us. Um, and we need people to pay attention. Like Extinction Rebellion is a great way of sort of drawing attention to an issue and Black Lives Matter is a great way of drawing attention to an issue. But in reality, um, that's just sort of um, a broadcast, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, neither party necessarily has a plan. I mean, Extinction Rebellion doesn't definitely does not have a plan. Um, but, you know, Rupert Reed, I think, is part of Extinction Rebellion. He's also now up as a, um, a candidate for the House of Lords. The uh, of Extinction Rebellion, who created it, are also members of the Green Party. And for whatever reason, I think probably to make it more popular and accessible, they have remained apolitical. But remaining apolitical is being complacent in your privilege, not only um, in in the fight to create an equitable future, but also in the fight to create a regenerative future, because you are not protecting the planet if you are not protecting people who are marginalized by the systems. And you are not protecting people who are marginalized by the systems if you're not protecting the planet. They're not, you can't divide those two things. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like where we're at now. And then I think it's so interesting what you said about government, because our role really should be about protecting the people and giving to people, making sure we are in community with each other, where I feel like it's become quite clear that our main objective is for businesses and banking and corporations rather than the people and the planet. So if we were to say to say to somebody, what is the link between humans and the environment and nature, I would definitely say if we don't have clean soil, then we don't have food. And if we don't have food, we won't be able to live. So it's quite clear to me. I think one of the really interesting things that kind of has, has come to light, and again, sort of linking this back to the wheel of the year, the summer solstice, the 21st of June or the 20th of June, um, is when the sun is highest in the sky and it sort of drives out all the shadows. And if you've done um, the workbook, Me and My White Supremacy by Leila F. Said, she talks about shadows of supremacy that live inside each of us. Um, whether you're white or whatever color you are, we all grew up in a racist system. So we are we are all inherently racist, um, either to other people, to ourselves. But the system is racist and the society is racist. Our education is racist and therefore we cannot not be racist. What we can do is work towards anti-racism. And by working towards anti-racism, we're also working towards regeneration because anti-racism is, is an act, the, the work of, the daily work of anti-racism is an act of love. Um, and the daily work of regeneration, creating a relationship of regenerative reciprocity with the natural world is also a daily act of love. Noticing nature, of talking to nature, of doing what you can to regenerate and protect it. Um, and I think that, you know, we have all sort of felt through this sort of quarter wheel of the year as we kind of come to summer solstice or half winter solstice with the fires and spring solstice with COVID, or sorry, sorry spring equinox with, with COVID. And then now we come to Black Lives Matter which has really kind of revealed the injustices in our systems and the oppression of nature and people, especially BIPOC folk, even more so BIPOC, LGBTIQA plus folk or disabled folk, like you, you can kind of add on the marginalizations. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it's just about race. It's a lot. It's all interlinked. And I think it's a lot to do with capitalism and just the way our government is kind of being running out of the country and every government runs our country. So what can we do to, to make things better and to live in a more regenerative culture and society? So, yeah, I mean, the degenerative systems of supremacy, like you're saying, the conjoined twins of capitalism and racism, which were, were, were born here in Europe and raised in England and, and brought to adulthood in, in, in 
the places that, that we colonized are sort of stem from here. So for no matter where you're living around the world, whoever you are listening to this, there are things that we can do to sort of engage in what I was talking about before, looking for leaders who hold that nobility of the soul, who are people that have shown through aspects of their life. I mean, Meghan Markle in the situation where she's somebody that has a nobility of the soul, she's invested in bettering the lives of other people, maybe not at sacrifice of her own, but communicate in ways that um, make you feel inspired. And this is something that I also often feel with Caroline Lucas or Jonathan Bartley. Um, they have a certain mobility, mobility of the soul um, in my own party. Um, and the sort of need for that governance that will, that will, that will make the, the sort of interaction between the people they govern and themselves um, sacred is, is really important. And this is one of the reasons that Caroline Lucas and Clive Lewis and the group behind Project Reset are trying to open up halls of communication between the general public and, and MPs, or the time, time is up also happens um, on the 30th of June, where there was sort of like a mass lobbying of MPs to bring a green recovery. The idea is to sort of devolve power from from central government into our communities, so into our towns, into our villages, into our boroughs, so that we can govern ourselves. Even here in the UK, we have we have so many different um, sort of counties, and 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 each of those counties have different needs and different types of land and different types of farming, you know, generative farming that could occur and different climate emergency actions that need to be taken. And Carla Denier from the Green Party was who's the councillor in Bristol um, and ran for MP in the last election. She was the first person to write to 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 create the do the paperwork essentially to declare a climate emergency in Bristol, and from that declaration, all the other declarations came because they just used the paperwork that, that Carla had created. Um, and as we kind of come to autumn equinox, um, this is sort of we, we're not coming there yet, but. In the fall, obviously, the trees drop their leaves, and what they do, they do that to conserve energy and focus on growing their roots to um, sort of survive the winter. And when those roots meet underground, they fuse and they plug into this interconnected web of others underground, and they share nutrients and um, ensure that each other can sort of support each other. Um, in the same way that many of us have in our own communities during the time of isolation, sort of use that time to reach out to people in our community who we've never talked to before in our neighborhoods. In soil regeneration, there are five rules that are kind of made by this farmer, Gabe Brown, who's, who's a celebrity farmer in, in my eyes. Um, so the first one is around conservation. It's minimal disturbance. So you don't want to till the land um, and you want to make sure that there's no chemicals on the land in order to make space for life to thrive. Um, and I saw this post by Jamelia Jalil who said, like, you get to choose what you pay attention to. So when you're talking about sort of protecting your energy, you need to choose to find things that inspire you, to find things that, that are people who inspire you to act, to do things for other people, to be regenerative, to support local farmers and businesses instead of, um, you know, getting your Sainsbury's or your coffee from Starbucks or your books on Amazon. Find ways to have regenerative relationships with the way that you spend your money and the way that you spend your time. And so paying attention to politics instead of Kardashians or to to um, farmers instead of Love Island, look at how you're spending your time and your energy and your money and ask yourself if that's regenerative. So um, so that's kind of like the first step is like conservation of energy, conservation of time and using that time to be regenerative. 
second point is to always keep the soil protected in regenerative agriculture because this reduces erosion, drought, flooding, and it also mitigates climate change. So you always keep plants on top of the soil and never leave the soil uncovered. And if you think about this in your own life, you can kind of be compost or you can be sewage. So you can invest whatever privileges you hold into um, regenerating life for others, whether it's human or non-human beings. And this sort of related to politics or to lifestyle is um, so that means kind of getting involved in community projects, engaging in what's going on in your town hall or in your in your council, um, and finding ways to be protective of other people, treat other people as if they are soil, and 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 create an armor around them. Um, the third point is that diversity is regenerative. So a diversity of plants enhances biodiversity. Instead of having like a monocrop of soybeans or monocrop of rapeseed or whatever. Um, and companion plants provide protection and new share nutrient support. Um, you can you can Google the three sisters if you want to learn more about that. Um, so we all have a role today in the ecosystem of change. It's not necessarily going to be the same role as somebody else. Um, so you need to find what gifts you have and find a way to contribute those gifts, creating regenerative change in your life, in your community, in yourself, in your political party, in your um, in your in your environment. Um, we also need less of a monocrop of white representation in the halls of power. So anywhere that there's too much of the same thing means you have a lack of diversity. And when you have a lack of diversity, it usually means that things are not healthy. And so my friend Ian always says, look to the margins for the answers. Because the people who are most marginalized usually have the answers that are needed in order to demarginalize themselves from the society. So, for example, transport, we should be looking at disabled people, um, is what my friend Ian says. So... So get involved in creating, when you're voting, look for people who not only have that, that nobility of the soul, but also have um, represent uh, parts of our society that are often left unheard so that you can help increase the representation of diversity in our society. The fourth point is keep your roots in the ground year round. Um, so this kind of links back to anti-racism work and regeneration being daily acts of love. And that part of your responsibility to yourself and to the earth and to your community is keeping that connection with the earth, paying attention to the the nature that dwells around you. Um, this book called London is a Forest. Like, look at the trees and see how they're doing. And if they don't seem to be doing well, get a hold of your council and say so. Or if there's a space that could be turned into a, po- a pocket park for your community, get in touch with your council and do that. Notice keeping connected to nature, you're also going to be keeping connected, protecting other people. And then the fifth one, and this is kind of a weird one, but um, is animal integration. So in in, in, uh, in regenerative agriculture, the way that animals are integrated mimics the way that we... Um, that, that animals live in nature. So um, normally when you have a herd of animals, they would they would eat some of the grass. Um, so it's essentially doing what a tree does in winter, defoliating it. They would poop on the ground. They would pee on the ground. They would stomp on the ground. That poop creating a natural compost. And then they would move on. And so integrating animals and integrating humans back into nature by funding programs that enhance land rights or promote sovereignty, which is like the right to culturally appropriate, healthy, n- nutritious food and making sure that People who are marginalized in our community have access to nature is also a regenerative act because as we heal the land, she heals us and all thriving is mutual. So those are kind of five ways to sort of use the five rules of regenerative agriculture to inspire yourself, whether it's spiritually, politically, or in your lifestyle or in your community to live a regenerative life of reciprocity with the living world, one that creates sort of equity in our society. 
And, you know, our, our leaders are really a reflection of, of who we are as a society. You know, Boris is this sort of like bumbling aristocratic fool who will do anything he can to stay in power and to stay privileged and to keep up these racist systems of supremacy that England has spread throughout the world. I think England is very much based on banking and it's almost like Boris Johnson is just a puppet for the banks and the corporations. But it's been really amazing listening to everything you have to say today, Holly. Thank you so much for joining me. It's such a large topic and we could go on forever talking about this. So maybe we should like come back and have another chat another day. But thank you so much for spending time with me. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. A reminder to your audience, get involved in some party, ideally the Green Party, um, and think regeneratively. And yeah, thanks for having me.